Hi, and welcome to Redefining Outbound, a podcast series for sales leaders. I'm one of your hosts, David Bentham, VP of Global Sales Development at Cognizant. I'll be interviewing a range of forward-thinking sales leaders on how and why B2B buying behavior has changed. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Redefining Outbound. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of being joined by Charlotte Lloyd, um, who is the founder and former sales director at Investment Monitor. Um, Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, like, yeah, real pleasure having you on. Why don't we just kick off by um, you explaining kind of who you are um, uh, and what you do, and um, we'll go from there. All right. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for having me, um, Dave and Cognizant. It's great to be here. So uh, who I am and what do I do? So you may or may not be following me on LinkedIn. I am a social selling and sales coach, and I built my business from LinkedIn. So if there's any AEs, SDRs who are listening right now, maybe you're thinking about having a side hustle. Maybe you already have one. Uh, It's not a bad strategy to get posting on LinkedIn. One of the things that I see with teams right now is they're very focused on prospecting on LinkedIn, which is great. We all want to focus on that. Uh, What I'm not seeing, though, is SDRs and AEs posting content. Now, I think we'd agree that most companies give you the freedom to build a personal brand. I'm not saying that you should build a personal brand here, but I don't see a lot of salespeople creating content. And I think it's something that we need to see. Outbound's changing, right? We're going to be talking about Outbound on this podcast. So uh, a little bit of history, background, backstory for me. I've been in sales for 20 years. I was almost 14 years in one company, Financial Times. You may have heard of it, selling advertising. Great, going to lots of events face-to-face. And I joined a new role, got into SaaS and tech sales, and realized that, oh, this is quite different. I'm going to have to adapt my sales process. Uh, You know, we can all get into a rot, even if we work at a company for several years. And that led me to posting on LinkedIn. So two years ago, I started sharing conversations. Uh, I got off a demo or a discovery call. I'd share the objections, the type of conversations that I was having. And I thought, I really want to help other salespeople uh, who you know, maybe new into a role, maybe in a role for years, not know what to do. And hey, presto, 18 months later, I ended up starting my side hustle, Uh, got a lot of demand from SDRs and AEs that contact me and they'd be saying, hey, we really like your content. Um, It really helped me, some of the tactics that you shared about cold calling. Uh, And I started coaching and and it kind of went from there. And when did I start? So that was March. Now, fast forward to August, and I left my corporate role. And here I am now. It's November, uh, three months in. Love it. Absolutely love that that story. And it ties quite nicely to the first question that we always ask um, yeah. on the show. Um, and it's, you know, the, the title of the show is Redefining Outbound. Um, I think you've alluded to this already, but, um, you know, to, to stay on, on theme, um, we're just... I suppose we're really interested in what redefining outbound means to you. Yeah, absolutely. Redefining outbound is making it more exciting and making it more human. And LinkedIn, or at least social media, is one of the platforms where 
you can make outbound more exciting. We obviously, a lot of salespeople might be quaking in their boots because as of February, Google and Yahoo are going to be um, bringing out their new email rules. So if three of a thousand of your emails get marked as spam, then your domain is going to get shut down. So cold emails are, are, are going to be completely overhauled and more salespeople, more sales teams are looking towards different channels, right? So I talk a lot about multi-channel outreach uh, with Outbound. I think we're going to see competition increase here. We're going to see more creativity, which is great because I said in my post yesterday on LinkedIn, sales isn't the path of least effort. It's about standing out, but it's about standing out in the right way. So I would really like to see more sales reps leverage LinkedIn, not just from the SaaS world, but also from the non-SaaS world, right? So there's a hell of a lot of companies out there, really great salespeople that aren't in SaaS, that aren't using LinkedIn. You know, I go onto some of their profiles and I think, wow, they could be, they, they, they might be using it for prospecting, but they could be using it, putting out more content. So we're going to see a huge switch come February, if not before. Um, and I think something crazy now, there's a billion users on LinkedIn, there's like five people join every second, but still only, le I think less than 3% post every day, something like 3 million people post every day. Uh, and I'm not saying that every salesperson listening to this needs to post every day, but what I am saying is there needs to be a strategy. Um, if you're gonna have good conversations and book qualified meetings in the DMs, you need to be showing up, not just commenting and liking your prospects' posts, but you need to be putting out your voice. You need to be sharing content that not only helps your prospects, but also puts you in that space of, hey, I could be thought leader. Um, I know a lot about a topic. Uh, this, is, this is what I like to talk about. Uh, this is going to help you draw in an audience. And you know when, when people know you, they want to take a meeting with you. I lost count in the last year before I left my corporate role in August. The amount of times that I got on a call, booked a meeting, the first thing that the prospect would say to me would be, oh, I saw your post last week, but here's me thinking, you didn't like or comment. You didn't engage with the post, but you saw the post. Yeah, and I saw another post that you put out, and I really liked that, and I shared that with my team. Mm, wow, but you didn't engage with the post. Weird. This is what I think a lot of sellers don't realize is the power of uh, the lurkers, right? There's, there's people, there's prospects that are seeing your posts, but don't, you know, they have an impact, but they might not come forward. They might not even, they're not going to send you a DM, they're not going to like, they're not going to comment, but they see what you're putting out there. Um, they may even, as, as a few prospects did with me, take your post and share it with the entire sales team. So one of the things I would say is, salespeople, you've got one of the hardest roles out there. Don't be afraid of posting. Most people are because what you put online is permanent. And that fear and overthinking is stopping you from really getting ahead in your career, making more sales, helping more prospects. Everything that you want is on the other side of fear. I know you've probably heard that before, but it is so true. Cool. Um, 
I love that answer, and and I definitely agree as someone that's been kind of uh, pushed to to start posting more. Um, what would you say to uh, you know maybe one of the more common pushbacks for sellers is say for example you know I'm a I'm an SDI I came out of uni uh, six months ago um, and um, I'm selling into uh, you know like a a really technical product to CTOs like yeah. like how do I show that I'm like how do I how do I become a thought leader? Like, what should I be posting about? Should should it be stuff related to the, to the product or like, you know, like, yeah, where do I start in that respect? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, and that, that can seem a bit scary when you're a new SDR, you're pitching into CTOs and you might not know a lot about, you, you, there's this fear, isn't there? They know way more than me, but, you know, if you have a solution that's right for them, you know a lot more about how your solution can help them than they do. Another thing what I do is try and have a conversation off the record with them first before you start posting or th- uh, and you're thinking about posting. Ask them sort of what, what they're, you know, you, you're obviously going to use ChatGPT, but ask them directly what some of the problems are, what kind of content would help them. And go about it in a way, you know, I would start posting three times a week if you're not posting on LinkedIn because it's getting used to that. Uh, every post doesn't have to be about your brand, your product, or uh, yes, a little bit about the problem that you solve for. But you can also, you know, bring in some personality. So you might want to put a personal story. Uh, you might want to talk about a case study. This is how, you know, this was the before and after transformation. We worked with client X. This is the result that we saw. Um, <clears throat> I think going about it, being clever, Getting some information direct from the CTO's mouth off the record is a good start. <coughs> Pardon me. I have a bit of a cold. Um, and going about it that way uh, and just post three times a week to start with. <coughs> You're good? Yeah. I'm good. All right. They can cut that out. Um, the... Um... <laughs> thing that I would say as well is have conversations with some of the top sales reps. So you just join a company, you're fresh out of uni, you're new into an SDR role. Also join an SDR community because that's going to help you massively as well. Speak to the top performers, get some insights into how they're doing things uh, and, 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 and speak to the CTO. So, you know, speak, have a conversation with a CTO off the record um, and again, another thing that, that, that I'd recommend that SDRs can do is have a look on LinkedIn at the kind of problems that your solution solves for. So maybe look at hashtags. What are these CTOs commenting on? How are they using LinkedIn? Um, other great sources, Google Alerts, um, Crunchbase. Try and get as much information as you can about what's going on in their world makes sense um one one thing about social selling that i've um that i've always been a bit um has or like uh, you know i i don't really push my sdrs to do much social selling really uh, or like or certainly content creation um and one of the major reasons is because in any good sdr org i believe that they'll probably be running an abm uh like process um i think where Sometimes um, social selling works as it kind of just acts like marketing, right? Um, you know, the 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 big push for me um, 
doing uh, social selling is actually because my goal is is also tied to marketing performance. So it's all, um, you know, like it, anything that comes in is positive for me. But if I'm an SDR and I've got a book of business of, say, 70 accounts, like, is it actually valuable for me to be like cur- curating posts um, when like I know you mentioned there's a billion people on, on LinkedIn, but perhaps there's only 70 decision makers that I need to speak to. And of those 70 decision makers, are all of them going to be active on LinkedIn? Maybe not. Right. So how, how would you respond to that kind of question? Yeah, that's a great question. So first off, people buy from people, right? Your marketing team are going to be doing everything in the name of the company, right? In the name of the company. On LinkedIn, your ICP, your prospects want to see content from you, from a real person, right? And the stats are out there. I think it's um, something like 500%, you're 500% more likely to get a meeting, have a conversation with when you, when, when a prospect sees your posts. So for example, Richard Branson, when people, when Richard Branson posts, people are far more likely are drawn into his posts than if Virgin Atlantic or one of his companies posts, right? It gets way more engagement uh, for a star. When you get way more engagement on your post, well, there's probably a ton of meetings from those likes and from those comments. So People aren't drawn to brands. People aren't drawn to what your marketing team really doing. Prospects are not really, they might see that and think, yeah, great. Um, I, I do appreciate, and I hear this a lot, the time factor. Um, LinkedIn has a scheduling feature. There's several tools like Tapio, Hype Fury, where you can schedule your posts and write them all at the same time, time them, boom, they go out. There's no excuses. <laughs> uh, you know, when I first started my LinkedIn journey for the very first year, it was only until November last year that I thought, ah, I'm going to get a scheduling tool. I'm going to get Hype Fury because I repurpose content on the platforms. But that helped change the game for me. And since November, December last year, that's when I saw a massive um, increase in impressions, followers, um, but also my ICP suddenly, you know, more and more leads coming my way. So the, the, the solution to, I haven't got time to create content. I haven't got, um, I've got all these meetings to book. Yeah, fair play. But you can't afford to not make this a priority, right? So writing three posts a week, if you're not posting anything on LinkedIn, when you've got built-in LinkedIn for free, the scheduling feature, there's no excuse, right? There's no excuse. Um, so step into the fear don't overthink it i know the the worst advice to say is just post get out there and do it i when i was doing it for a whole year and i would do it every day at one o'clock and i would write the post usually anything from 30 minutes to four hours before it went live and it used to work but it was all once i started to plan and actually write my posts at the same time and then have them all going out at the same time every week, then things started to really change for me. And it, it, it didn't feel like a chore. It's something that I really enjoyed. And if you're an SDR, then yeah, you fall under marketing in a way. Part of what you're doing is copywriting. You've got to really like what you're doing when you're putting emails together, when you're you know, looking to get meetings. So definitely don't neglect LinkedIn as a key tool where you know you need to be able to create content it's not just about mindless mindless outreach another thing 
when you start creating content that speaks to your prospects, your conversations in the DMs are going to flow a lot better. Because what we see is a lot of this awkward outreach, robotic outreach, fake personalization. Hey, I see you went to University of Leeds. Oh, by the way, here's something completely unrelated about my solution that I want to, I want to book a meeting with you. So we want to avoid those kind of conversations. Creating content is an easy way to warm those leads. So we want warm inbound. We don't want to spend too long in the DMs qualifying. We want those leads to be semi-qualified before we get on a meeting with them. Cool. Understood. And and another, so one thing that I often get accused of, and I'm sure it's the same for you. Um, so I'm just going to throw that out there is, um, you know, we sell to salespeople. Um, yeah. Salespeople live on LinkedIn. And so, you know, yeah. like we obviously get a bunch of success from LinkedIn as a result. How would you like, um, or could you speak to people who believe that their ICP isn't on LinkedIn and, and why it's still important? Yeah, and or, 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 there's a, there's, I, I categorize people into three tiers, right? So they're, they're, they're really active ones. Like it could, that's, you know, where I put myself or probably in the hyperactive, you know, the top 1%, always on LinkedIn commenting or showing up every day. Then you've got those mid-tier, uh, tier two. So these are the semi-active ones and they're typically... They might post occasionally. They tend to be like reposting or commenting on other posts. And then you've got the tier threes who are the hardest, the hardest to convert and the hardest to get a meeting with because they are lurkers. They're completely inactive. So you go and, you know, the, the profile looks like it's not been touched for years. Um, and it looks like they don't go on there, right? We can't really see how active they are. Uh, they're still going on, right? They're probably going on in educational mode. They're seeing LinkedIn as like, here's my resume, CV. Uh, I'm going to look for uh, potential employees who or people I could recruit. Uh, they're going on for information purposes, education purposes. <clears throat> so this is why it's important to create the content and not just do the outreach, right? Because these people, there's a high chance that they're going to see your posts. They're probably not going to like, they're probably not going to comment, but they'll be in that, oh, 10,000 people saw my post, but I got 120 likes and I got 50 comments. And that, they're somewhere within those impressions. So you can't neglect the fact that LinkedIn is still a tool for them. It's still a place where they go. They're just not that active. Um, yeah, there's other social media channels. So, you know, when I worked selling to governments, they tended to use Twitter more. They had a Twitter, the government account had a Twitter um, page and, you know, they would they would typically engage on that platform. They weren't so active on LinkedIn. So, you know, it's, it's not a bad strategy to think, well, I might start with LinkedIn, create some content on LinkedIn, but I also might put some, some of that content on Twitter. Uh, but again, focus on the platform where your prospects are. If they're really not on LinkedIn and they're somewhere else, then you want to put more of that energy into into that other platform. Awesome. Um, Charlotte, one unique thing that you just mentioned there about you is that you you used to do outreach to and sell to governments. Um, yeah. You know, just for any of our listeners that are um yeah also targeting government i'd love to kind of dive into that and, and any advice that you give on on 
like what you learn and, and what your best practices would be? So with governments, I would say don't give up. They are the hardest people to sell to. And I think this is what made me uh, really focus on follow up. So I'm a big, big fan. You'll see in a lot of my posts, I talk about following up and not giving up. So, you know, it could take anywhere from 30 touches or beyond when you're working with the government to get a response. Uh, Typically, you know, selling to governments, they don't have uh, so I would sell into the locations like Boston, for example, or London or Frankfurt, and they would be bringing in businesses and jobs to that location. So let's say Coca-Cola might open an office or a, a, a facility, and I would be selling to the marketing arm and the business development arm of that mar- of that division, that location. Uh, and typically, you know, they don't ha- they didn't have a set they, they there weren't people that had a quota. They didn't even have like a, you know, like SDRs have a meeting uh, quota that they have to hit. AEs have their quota that they have to hit. These people were different because they didn't have any kind of metric that that, that was really important to them, apart from creating jobs and um, bringing a, you know, a Coca-Cola facility was going to be maybe a several million dollars worth of investment. So they were targeted on that. So that was the metric that they were kind of measured on. But um, in terms of personas, business developers at governments, very, very tough because, you know, you want to be able to uncover the problems, pain, impact that they have. And a lot of the times, you know, they, they're going to stay in their job regardless, right? They're not going to get fired if they miss their quota or if they don't bring in enough jobs or if they don't bring in enough investment because it's government. So really understanding that and their world was was something that you know it's very different when you when you're selling tech and SaaS and you're selling to VPs of sales or you're selling to private companies but it definitely it was a big lesson in also don't give up um you know it it took with one of my deals over a year to bring in a six-figure government client uh and a lot of it you know was the, the the way that they were doing things was really um way they were doing things was just you know old-fashioned traditional uh it, it took a lot of you know big buying committee to get that decision over the line uh, it took a lot of follow-up uh you know we often think of salespeople if if we don't get a reply we're, we're too busy thinking about ourselves right if we don't get a reply within the first two weeks or even less, then we give up. And that's really not, you know, the way to be. We need to think long-term strategy as well. Just because a prospect isn't replying doesn't mean they're not going to reply if you keep if you keep going, right? So it's like at that point, you, you've got to be creative in your outreach. You've got to be sounding different, not like a pest. And there were plenty of times when I probably did sound like a pest earlier on. Uh, it was one one location in the Caribbean that I spoke to, Grenada, their government. I, it took me over 25 touches just to get a meeting with him. Uh, and, you know, he, he, when I got on the call with him, he said to me, oh, wow, I'm so glad that you persisted. It's taken like about three, three months. Uh, but I'm really glad that you didn't give up because... Uh, you know, I get some terrible messages from people and I just ignore them. And uh, so I guess he was putting me to the test. But uh, yeah, I recommend every sales rep think like they're selling to a government where 
you're faced with bureaucracy, then you've got procurement. So when you get to that point where you're signing off, the process, the sales process is longer, especially if you're selling like a mid-market enterprise to a government, it's, you know, times it by 10, because it's not like selling it to a SaaS company. Um, and, you know, you may, you, you'll have a lot of people involved and then you'll have procurement, you'll have bureaucracy. So you have to think about that and you have to be able to ask those questions earlier on in the deal cycle. So, um, you know, don't get those happy ears and think, yeah, we're going to do this. Because a lot of the time they say, yeah, we're going to do this. We just need to, we just need to go through sign off. Okay. Ugh. We want to do this in September. Hang on a minute. But it's August. We're two weeks away from September. Uh, can you tell me, you know, why do you want to do this in September? What's driving that? I don't want to be assuming that this is going to come in in September when actually what typically happens is, we need to go through some more red tape. Like we need to do this, sign off with legal, sign off with, and then they're like, oh, well actually, yeah, it's gonna take, when we do that, I have to be honest, it's gonna take another couple of weeks and that's usually another couple of months and then it's gonna take. So never assume that because your prospect says, yeah, we wanna sign off now um, in the next couple of weeks, always look for what, when, when are they really going to sign off? You know, don't get happy ears. Awesome. Um, Charlotte, unfortunately, that's all the time that we have for today, yeah. um, pretty much. Um, but really, really quick. I do want to ask, we, we always finish uh, with one question. I definitely, definitely want to ask you. Um, and that is, what would you recommend sales leaders to start, stop and continue doing um, in 2024? Oh, sales leaders. Start getting behind your team with social selling. It's not just for marketing. Get the team to post. Uh, what should they stop doing? Sitting on the sidelines. Get on calls with them. Ask them how they're doing. Don't make everything about forecasting and numbers. Actually give them the support that they need. And what was, did you say continue doing? What should they continue, and continue doing? Yeah. <sighs> so what should they continue doing? Being great motivators being able to step into the weeds and do the daily things that salespeople do, get on cold calls, right? You're never too old, you're never too experienced to continue doing a cold call. Awesome, awesome. Charlotte, thank you, thank you so much um, for everything. Where can people find you if uh, they're looking for more of your content? So you can find me on LinkedIn, Charlotte Lloyd forward slash sales. Perfect. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, and we'll see you next time on Redefining Outbound.